There are two types of people in this world, Packers fans and Vikings fans. Those who get out of bed by 8 a.m. on Sunday for the early service and those who sleep in for the 1045 service. Those who delete messages on their cell phone and those who have 12,000 unread messages. Those who like red wine, those who like white wine. There are endless ways we could divide people. Someone once said that there are two types of people in this world. Those who think there are two types of people in this world and those who don't. Don't ask me who said that. I don't know. But I'm sure someone did. There's enough division going on right now for all of us. Nevertheless, when Jesus tells the parable of the talents or money measurement, he gives us his own version of two kinds of people. There are two types of servants in the parable. Those who are faithful and those who are not. Imagine yourself on some hot, dusty date plantation in Judea in the first century. You're one of three financial officers employed by the owner of the date plantation. He's going to a date farmer's convention in Damascus and tells you, here, take some of my money, and while I'm gone, invest it with the bankers in Jericho and make my money grow. Off he goes. Your two colleagues immediately begin putting the money they were given to work with the investors in Jericho. In the meantime, you're so afraid of your boss because you've heard he can be a harsh man who punishes those who don't produce the results that he wants. So you bury the money in a, that he gave you in a little cave in Ein Gedi, the same place David hid from King Saul up in the hills of Judea. You're thinking, if I just give the money back to him when he comes back without sneaking any of it for myself, he'll be happy enough with me and that'll be the end of it. But it doesn't quite go the way you thought it would when he returns. The boss comes back from his trip and wants a full account, a full report of what happened with the money he gave you. Your two colleagues did a pretty good job investing in Jericho. They give twice as much back to the boss at what he gave them. He's happy with them and rewards them both with a brand new company camel, complete with covered saddle with plush padding. What do you get? Well, you get told you're a no good lazy employee because you didn't earn a penny. He tells you that he does have a reputation of being a harsh boss and that should have motivated you to go to the banks in Jericho and make something, anything. But no, you cowered in fear and wasted a whole month doing nothing productive because the money sat in a cave. What type of servant are you? Faithful or unfaithful? Unfaithful. Now, I'll bet if you're a financial person, you know, if you're going to school to be an investment broker or something like that, I'll, I'll bet the parable of the tenants is like, you know, CPA 101, right? <laughs> this, is, this is the basic 
rule for being a financial person. Your future boss is going to hire you to make money, not sit on it and do nothing, or you won't last long in the business. Now, the parable of the tenants might make a good message on a stewardship Sunday or a self-examination of what type of steward or servant we are. Those aren't the themes today, though. The last few Sundays of the, of the church year seek to focus our thoughts on what Jesus tells us about the last days, about the times before He returns. As we live in these last days, we all need to consider the boss, the master of the big date farm we live on called the earth. When Jesus tells the parable of the talents, notice, notice that it's the master who goes away for a while. The three servants all serve the same master. The master insists on holding his servants accountable. The master invites the faithful servants to enter into his joy. <clears throat> the master is the center of attention, not the servants. Now, it's tempting for us to want to identify really good Christians with, you know, as the faithful servants, you know. And, and we might place ourselves in that category. I, I give a portion of my income to the church. I volunteered. I helped clean up. I'm a good and faithful servant. But look at what the prophet Isaiah says about the servant in our reading today. It's on uh, page 8. That little subsection there, you've got what Matthew records, the action going on, and then the little subparagraph there is from, directly from Isaiah. God the Father says, look, my servant, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim, proclaim justice to the nations. Now, who's he talking about? Us? No. Jesus is the faithful servant of his Father. In his resurrection from the dead, the Father commended him for his willing obedience. Jesus is a good servant in a number of ways, including his obedience to the Father and his kindness to the, to the outcast and sinner. He is a faithful servant by fulfilling all of God's promises. He fulfilled the, uh, the prophets of old, Isaiah being one of them, and he fulfilled his own resurrection promise. In his resurrection, the, this good and faithful servant demonstrates that he was not only a servant, but he was also master. See, he reigns over all things, including death. His resurrection from the dead confirms the faithfulness to all his promises, including his promise to return on the last day. The Master is good and faithful to us despite our numerous shortcomings, including our failure at being a faithful servant. We fail all the time to live up to the Master's expectations as we make excuses. I'm too busy for God right now, maybe later. What has God done for me lately? There's a pandemic and my life and my family have been turned upside down. Maybe he doesn't care. 
even while we are sinners. The good and faithful servant and master gives us something worth living for by entrusting his work to us. He trusts us to do his work. However imperfect we are at carrying it out, he perfects it and uses it for good. He is forgiving and merciful to those who trust him. He promises eternal joy at his return, and he gives us a foretaste of this joy here and now as we gather to receive his gifts. You know, you could say there are two types of gods. There are gods who demand blood from the people they rule over. They command a sacrifice to appease their anger. Then there's the God of truth, our God, who demands utter obedience and perfection from the people he rules over, but doesn't demand sacrifice from us. He doesn't ask us to spill our blood for him. Instead, he chooses his own servant to pay the sacrifice on our behalf. He chooses his son, whom he is one with and is well pleased with for being obedient, even to the point of dying on a cross at the hands of sinful people he rules over. There are two types of prophets, false prophets and true prophets. The false prophecies, the false prophets are the ones who, who make prophecies that come to nothing. And true prophets are the ones who prophesy something that actually happened. And Isaiah is one such true prophet. And we're going to hear more from him this Advent in our Await God's Future series, through, uh, which will start on the last Sunday of this month and continue throughout Christmas. In the meantime... Take to heart this little prophecy here from Isaiah, which Matthew says Jesus fulfilled after he healed a man, went away to another place, healed some more people, and told them not to tell anyone. It's, that's kind of strange, isn't it? It seems to start out well. But then it sounds like it didn't, come all, it didn't all come true. We know that God chose His Son to be the faithful servant. We know that the Spirit came down onto the servant, Jesus, in the Jordan River, and God said in a voice that people could hear, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. We know this, right? We've heard it. And we know Jesus will proclaim justice and many other things to the Gentiles. But when Isaiah says, he will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets, what about that? He did cry aloud. People heard him in the streets of Jerusalem. He absolutely quarreled with the Pharisees and the scribes. But he also worked quietly, didn't he? He did miracles in a not so showy and spectacular way, didn't he? They often seemed like they were done behind the, in a behind-the-scenes way. Take, for instance, his first miracle at Cana, right? People did not see the water change into wine. How about when he healed the blind man at the pool of Siloam, right? 
I mean, he, he kind of did it in a way that, that there was no spectacular sparks or, or auras of light or anything. It just kind of happened. And he often told people not to tell anybody about these things or what he had, had said. And what, <clears throat> going back to this little prophecy, what is a bruised reed anyway? And why would he not break it? Why won't he fully extinguish the smoldering wick on a candle? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> because he is the faithful servant who is also the faithful master. A reed is a very useful natural thing, right? It's like a bamboo shoot. You can use it for all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's a very useful tool or a building material. If a reed gets damaged, though, bruised, it's not so useful. And it gets thrown away. We get bruised. We get broken. We are bruised reeds. But Jesus, the Master, doesn't throw us away. He mends us. He repairs us and makes us whole and useful again. He was bruised for our sin. And because of His bruises, you and I are healed. Same with the candle. Because of our sin, the light in us can grow faint until it dies out and smolders. But it can be relit, and so it is when our faith is regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Even as we are sinners, God does not snuff us out like a smoldering wick. And in all of this, you and I have hope, right? We have hope in Jesus. There are indeed two types of people in this world. Those who are faithful and those who are not. Jesus is the good and faithful man far beyond any measure. Par excellence, right? That is, Jesus is good to us and faithful to his promises because he is our God and he loves us. And it's only through him and by him that we are able then to love one another and serve each other. He is our master, and he is both good and faithful to us, his servants. The master is coming back soon, so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.